The Kansas City Royals are in town for a four-game series starting tonight. <clears throat> well, the team, they will be wearing Royals jerseys. <clears throat> no Andrew Benintendi, Whit Merrifield, MJ Melendez, Hunter Dozier, Brad Keller, Brady Singer, Michael Taylor, Kyle Isbell, Dylan Coleman, Cam Gallagher, Rudolph Dancer. I see what you did there. Rudolph. Um, Jesus, I can't remember the name of the uh, reindeer. Rudolph. Anyhow, let's bring in Dan Schulman. We'll bring him in anyhow. I don't care if he's not there. I'm just kidding. I am doing the trivia. I can't remember the name of the reindeer. Well, uh, Glitzen, Dancer, Comet, Sleepy, Sleepy, Dopey. You had to compare yourself to oh, one I'm of those names. Of, uh, Which one are you? Blitzer, man. Blitzen? Blitzen? Don, Donner, Dancer, Which one are you? Sleepy and Dopey. Prancer's the other one. Who's Sleepy and Dopey? What are they? Which one's a pain in the butt? Oh, the, the dwarfs. Which the one's seven a pain dwarfs. In the, okay. Which one's a pain in the butt and always worried about everything? Which one? Anyhow, I've got uh, Blue Jays tickets to give away to see the Jays and the Tigers on July 28th at the Rogers Center. Yesterday, uh, we're giving away tickets all year, you know, Blair and Barker. And uh, whether you listen to the radio or on the podcast, all you have to do is text the correct answer to 59590. Yesterday, we asked you, before Albert Pujols won it three times, who was the last Cardinals player to win National League MVP? Took me three chances to get it. Three guesses to get it. It was Willie McGee in 1985. Is he the best bad ball hitter in the history of baseball? He does have that reputation. Pretty damn close. It's it's crazy. He's a, he was a, I mean, just throw it, was, just throw it right down the middle. Those, 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 the, the, impossible the to talent on those, on those 85, those Cardinals teams of the mid-80s are just sick. Mm -hmm. The amount of stuff they could do, God, they were fun. Mm -hmm. uh, again, today's questions uh, Today's questions to win tickets to see the Jays and Tigers on July 28th. This is a difficult one, and I would not have gotten this, and you could have given me an hour, and I wouldn't have gotten it. Who holds the Tigers' record for most saves in a season? This is a tough one. Who holds the Tigers' record for most saves in a season? Text the answer to 59590. For your chance to win, see rules at sportsnet.ca slash 590. No chance in hell I'm getting this answer. There just isn't. The Tigers record for most saves in a season. Let's bring in Dan Shulman. He is now with us. He is our Blue Jays voice on Sportsnet. Mr. Shulman, do you know the answer to that question? Don't give it no. to us, but no. No. I mean, I could guess, but you don't want me to guess on the air, but it would be guesses, and I know they're wrong. So. Yeah. No. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, um, like a person of my age group, yes, our general age group, the first guy I would say is Willie Hernandez. Bingo. But, exactly. But I'll tell you this, and I know this. He, I think he only saved 32 that only. I think he only saved 32 that year. Yeah. Didn't he win the MVP? He yes, won the he MVP, did. didn't he? Right. He did. I mean, he'd finish 29th in voting if they did that now. <laughs> but, you know, things are so different now, right? But, um, uh, yeah. I, you know, it's probably a guy who just signed a one-year deal there or, you know, you know, was just there for a year or two and had a big year, but I have no idea. Yeah, no, I, it's uh, – that was my first – my first reaction was Willie yeah. was Willie Hernandez, and I'll tell people out there it's not Willie Hernandez. So, um, hey, uh, thanks for doing this. Uh, what's, what's Charlie Montoyo – I'm not – I hesitate to use the word legacy, but, well, I'm going to – kind of use it even though you know legacy to me means you've been someplace for 30 years or so but what what will charlie montoyo be remembered for you know john uh, 
Ross Atkins had kind of an interesting line yesterday, I thought, and I thought, and I thought he was sincere when he said it, that, that this team will win, and when it starts winning, Charlie will get, you know, will deserve some of the credit for that, and I will make yeah. sure he knows that. So uh, how, how do we look at Charlie? I think there are two different camps, and you guys know. Uh, there, I think there are two different camps on Charlie. I think there are some people who, you know, really, really liked him and gave him a ton of credit for shepherding the team through two extraordinarily difficult seasons and understood that a lot of the decisions were being made were being made collectively and thought he was a great, upbeat guy who was a player's manager. And I think then on the other side, there was the Fire Montoya group, right, who, mm-hmm. who hated every decision that was made. And I don't think you're ever going to, you know, it's like politics. If whatever side you're on, you're on. And, and I don't think... Yeah, it's going to change. Um, I always felt that Charlie deserved a lot of credit in 2020 and 2021, always, because I don't think we know 10% of the stuff that that team went through because they weren't here. We never got a chance to to see it and feel it and ask questions and, and that sort of thing. You know, it's funny. The narrative was, and, and I didn't know Charlie at all. None of us knew Charlie, right? Really, he was a coach with the Rays, but how well do you get to know a coach for a, an opposing team? You know, the and I don't know where this narrative came from, but even right in the first year, the narrative was, well, he's a great guy to get the younger players through the formative years, and then somebody else will come in when they're ready to win. And I don't know who started that narrative. Mm-hmm. Um, that was out there, right? And, and I don't know, maybe there's something to that. You know, the composition of this team has changed. We always talk about the young core, the young core, the young core, and it is, and it's very important. But there's also a Gosman and a Stripling and a Phelps and a Chapman and a Springer. Like the composition of the team has changed too. You got a lot of veterans who have come from other places where they have won, and their voices mean something in addition to the Bo and the Vladdy and the and, and the other guys. So uh, I, I think it depends on how you look at Charlie. I, I think Charlie deserves a lot of credit for 2020 and 2021. I don't think he deserves as much blame as he's gotten overall but i i can tell you and and it's funny i i I notice it on the road more than at home and i don't know why that is maybe it's because there are fewer people around and things are a little more intimate the vibe was just totally different around this group the last two road trips i i I haven't seen it like this in the last few years it was just gloomy Mm -hmm. and i didn't know if something was coming or when it was coming but it was noticeable to me in chicago milwaukee and then especially in oakland seattle it just felt different. Uh, guys who were smiling, who normally smiled, weren't smiling as much. Like people were putting their work in, they were doing their thing, but just uh, the the vibe around the team felt different. Dan, which one of John's strengths do you think will show up first? Um, you know, so I, I think communication is a strength of his. Mm-hmm. I think leadership is a strength of his. Uh, so it, it's funny. Um, a quick side story. I went a couple of buddies of mine came to a game and they're not really baseball fans, but they come to a game like once or twice a year. This is like two months ago. And on our way back, we were walking back to the ballpark to pick up my car and Snyder was leaving the building like an hour and a half. And so we just bumped into him and the three of us, you know, I introduced them. These are my buddies. This is John Snyder. And we just talked for like 15 minutes and then we went on about our way. And my buddies who did not know John Schneider existed on this planet until those 15 minutes walked away and said, Boy, that's a that's a solid dude right there. Mm-hmm. You know, and you know you got you know what I mean because you yeah. guys know him. You walk away from John Schneider and you say that's a solid dude right there. Um, and I think as soon as you meet him, he gives off 
the, the solid dude vibe. And, and I think that's what he is. And, and, you know, figuratively speaking, I think he can know who needs a pat on the back and who needs a kick in the behind. I think he can read a room really, really well. And I, and I heard you, Jeff, last hour talking about it, and I agree with you 100%. Anybody who thinks he's going to come in and start turning over the ping-pong table, and they don't have a ping-pong you know what I mean, mm-hmm. turning over the post-game spread, he's not going to do that. But if, but if somebody needs a talking to, he'll, talk, he'll give them a talking to. But if somebody needs, and he used the word empathetic yes. in his uh, first media uh, availability yesterday as the manager, he's empathetic too. So um, I think it's very important that he had – Vladdy and Bo when they were kids and they were, they were 17, 18 years old. Um, but I also think the newer veteran guys on the team respond to him well. So to answer your, your question, Kevin, um, I think uh, both in terms of communication and he, he's obviously a leader. Like if you, if you put 10 guys in a room and, and said, figure it out, I think Snyder's going to be one of the guys, not in a look at me way, but he's going to, Emerge is one of the guys who takes the lead and helps mm-hmm. you solve the problem. He's just that kind of guy. So, um, and, and the nice thing is all the players know him well. I don't think he, he's going to have his first meeting with the whole room today, not even a meeting, whatever it is, a first chat with the whole room. I don't think he's going to say anything that surprises any of the players in that room. I think they know exactly what they're getting. Um, and I, I, I think there's a lot, a lot of respect for John Schneider in that room. Dan, Dan as you know, I've been, in a, I've been in a ton of locker rooms, and, and every single locker room's different. But it just seems like from afar, this locker room needs, you know, the higher-ups to hold people accountable. It just mm-hmm. seems to me like that's a theme. Like, it's, why are you not doing that? Like, why is Charlie not doing that? That's, that's sort of the theme around the, the players. Do you think this is sort of what John needs to do is, you know, if a guy's not running hard, he may need to come out and say this is why he's not playing today is because he's not running hard. Do you think that's sort of the one of the things that John needs to do? I think it's um, on the list. I don't think it's at the top of the list. And, and, and I don't know, and again, I heard part of, uh, part of your last hour, I, I don't know that it necessarily needs to be made public. I heard you talking about that. But, mm-hmm. but I think, you know, there, there are three different ways it can be handled not do anything, do something privately, do something publicly, right? Those are all different. Um, I think for sure it'll be done privately. And, and whether that's a benching or a, hey, we're not going to have this anymore, um, I, I don't know. Um, I mean, again, I don't think he wants to come in with an iron fist. I don't think that's who he is. No. And I, and I think they know that, like, not to call his bluff. You know what I mean? Like, almost like a parent. Like, you know, you know which parent you can... You know, you go to mom if she's the easier one, or you go to dad if he's the easier one, right? Like, I think they know, don't don't call his bluff. Like, that's yeah. not going to work with him. So I, I think the way that that they feel about him, and, and again, he's been here four years, and he's done a lot of different things for this team. He's worked with the catchers. He's in charge of the opponent's running game. Um, he was the de facto bench coach last year. We all know that. Um, and he was the bench coach this year and was extremely involved in game decisions. So he's, and, and between that and managing in the minor leagues, he's worked with every guy on this team. And, and so I, I think they understand, um, you know, I don't know how comfortable Charlie was going up to a player and saying, this can't happen again. I, I don't know the answer to that, mm-hmm. but I do know that I think John Schneider would be comfortable if need be. But, but again, I'm with you guys. He, he's not coming in and flipping over the, the post game spread right away. I, I, he, he said yesterday, 
I want guys to be comfortable. I want guys to have fun. That's when I think we get the best version. Uh, you know, they, they get their best version of themselves. And uh, you pro- you guys probably saw the shot like two minutes before the game last night. He was sitting, I think, with Luis Rivera and Gil Kim, and one of the players came by, and, you know, it was some silly fist-pumping thing or something yeah, like that. Yeah, it was Jordan that. Romano was snapping it, his it was Romano, fingers. Right, yeah. Right. Right. Weird. And that's good. Like yeah. we shouldn't take the fun away from the fun guys on this team. Maybe there just needs to be a bit more balance between, okay, now it's time to be fun. Now it's time to be serious. And and that might mean Bo doesn't want to put the jacket on. Yeah. And that might mean that the, the Chapman's and the Gosman's and the striplings and the Phelps's say, okay, guys, but listen, we've all been on teams that have won and, this is a common link between them. And I'm just speculating. Yeah, here, right? I don't know. No, but, right. yeah. but but I, I think those veteran voices, those are quietly behind the scenes are are pretty important. Guys who have won elsewhere who can help bring maybe a bit more of an understanding to the young core about some things that are needed. Yeah, you know, it's really interesting hearing you say that because I've had at least a couple of people tell me that, um, you know, you, you look at this team and, and – uh, and again, we don't know really what went on when Marcus Semyon was here, but you know certainly Marcus Semyon, uh, you know was was a was, was kind of an older voice in the team. And I, and I and early in the year, I had I had a couple people tell me, you know, man, I hope they get somebody in here who can help George out because George is going to get tired of being the adult. <laughs> That's the way it was explained to me. Uh-huh. George is going to get tired of being the adult. No, and, and I know that it wasn't a sort of the person wasn't saying it in a pejorative, but he was essentially saying that. George can't be the one always calling meetings and, and you know, there's, yep. so I, I think maybe you're right. Maybe this is just, there needs to be something organic that, that kind of develops here. Um, how do you think, how do you think John's going to manage a game? We saw the hit and run last night and I, I shouldn't say the game, but, but the lineup, you know, Barker's right. And we're not telling secrets here. John's one of the people that would like Vladdy to hit second. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. We know that. Do yeah. you think you'll um, see him? gradually start to impart some of that stuff? I think that's a conversation probably between Schneider and Vladdy, to mm-hmm. be honest with you. Um, I, I mean, you know, there are lots of times when I say when I come on with you guys, you know, Kevin, I will defer to you, to this, uh, to you on this. You know, if your best player is not comfortable doing something, do you want to put him in that position? Um, you know, should he be comfortable? Should it matter? I've never hit second. I've never hit third. So, mm-hmm. so I don't know. Right. Um, uh, but we all have comfort zones in the things um, that we like to do. Uh, I understand the, you know, the, the talk about um, moving Vladdy up, um, you know, part of that also was moving Bo down and uh, Bichette and Guerrero are obviously two important, extremely important, not just players, but people um, within this organization. So it, it's not, you know, it, it's uh, moving Vladdy up is a three-part move. It, it's Vladdy up, Bo down, and then wherever Bo goes, that guy gets displaced, either mm-hmm. up or down. And that could be Kurt, that could be Hernandez, that could be Guriel. So it's it's not just um, you know in a vacuum. So I don't think he's going to do that quickly, and I don't think he would do it without some pretty serious heart-to-hearts with both Guerrero and Bichette. So like in-game management, yes, we saw more aggressiveness last night. I think we'll probably continue to see a little bit more of that. I don't think they're turning into the 85 Cardinals or, or, or anything like that. Um, I, I'm not a, I like the hit and run. I'm not a huge hit and run guy, but 
I love it with Espinal at the plate. I think he's the best guy on the team to do it with. Yep. I mean, you tell you tell Espinal, put the ball in play. He's going he's to put the ball in play. Mm-hmm. And he understands on a hit and run, he's just trying to hit the ball on the ground to right field, basically, right? I mean, we're all old enough that we remember this happening all the time. But I don't think they're going to be the go-go Blue Jays or anything like that. But I do like seeing them do it a little bit more. I, I'm interested on the pitching side if pitchers are pushed a little bit more, whether it's the starter, an extra out or two, or an extra inning, if it's the reliever, hey, instead of you three guys getting me nine outs, can you two guys get me nine outs? Can you do four and you do five? Um, Sometimes I thought they churned through guys a little bit too quickly, but, you know, a lot of this stuff is coming from analytics and and upstairs, right, Mm -hmm. too, about – how they're used. Um, but in terms of the lineup, and I know everybody loves, we all love talking about the order. I, I think that's one that Schneider's got to get a feel for. And nobody knows Bo and Vladdy better than John Schneider. And, and whatever conversations they have, we'll never be privy to. So, But I don't think he does it without a, a good heart-to-heart with both of them. Uh, I want to just uh, flip the topic a little bit here and talk about Ross Stripling, uh, his performance last night. Dan, should, should we just say that Ross Stripling is is now a member of the Blue Jays rotation and, and, you know, just look at maybe adding another starting pitcher at some point and say, Ross is a starter. That's it. No more of the bulk stuff moving back and forth. He's, he's a starter. Well, can I sign him to a two-year extension first, and then Ooh. we can have that conversation? Yeah. <laughs> what yeah. was that? What was that, Kevin? Was that a no? That's a good was thing. That an no, all in or was that's that a, a good thing? But the but the only we've talked ha- about it. Yeah, I, I would love to see that. But you're if you're Ross and the Yusei Kikuchi deal, well, you know you're hesitant right. now. Like you, you know yeah. the, the one little couple of good starts. Now Ross has shown you that he can make adjustments and and be really good in the American League East. But that Yusei Kikuchi deal, Dan, I but I he's in a new spot. He's in Hyunjin Ryu's spot, yeah, I, I and, understand, and Ryu's not coming back. I understand so. that, but it's that sort of shot in the dark. Can he continue to be good? And you know, is there enough there that you, that warrants giving him a yeah. multi-year deal? That's the thing. I'd it's, love it's to funny. see. Yeah. Let let. So let me ask you a hypothetical question that I want to answer. Yours. Let's say Ross's fastball. Let's say the results were identical, but his fastball was ninety-five instead of ninety-three. Oh. You think people would feel right? So, yes. but the results are identical. Mm-hmm. I think there's a little. Because he's 92, 93, can he sustain this? And I understand that. We live in an era of velocity. But um, you guys must enjoy watching him pitch as much as I do. It's so much fun, right? Um, the change-ups, the curveballs, the sliders, and, and, and all that stuff. But absolutely at this point, if they're going out to get a starting pitcher, it should, I don't think it should be with the intent of saying to Ross, okay, thanks, buddy. Now you're the sixth man again, and we'll call you if we need you. He's been too good for that, uh, I think. And, and which means the issue is if they go out and get somebody, what are they doing with Yusei Kikuchi? Like, that's still, a, that's still an issue. Mm-hmm. Um, after the All-Star break, what happens with him? I, I don't have the answer to that. I suspect they'll throw him back in the rotation, send Castillo back down, or have Castillo as the long man in the bullpen, and try it again. Like, what other option do they have short of just letting him go? And then there's over $20 million left on his contract, which is a lot of money. So, um, but in terms of Ross Stripling, if you want to, if you want to have the room, you, you know, the, have the room be on your side, the 26 guys in that room want to win. They want their best lineup on the field and their best pitchers on the mound. And he deserves to stay in this rotation without an asterisk in my mind, based on what he's done. 
The Royals will be in town for the first of four games tonight. They will not have an awful lot of players with them. You know, Dan, I understand there's nothing anybody can do about this. The rules are the rules are the rules. And everybody's knowing about this. And it's not like this is something that landed in the, the Royals' laps. But if I'm, look, if I'm the Rays, if I'm the Mariners, if I'm the Red Sox, if, I, if I'm, you know, the Blue Jays are one of the teams that are, could potentially keep me out of the postseason. I got to have an issue with this. I I don't know what you, I don't think you can do any, you can't do anything about it, but I guarantee you that the people around that team are going, you've got to be kidding me. You're, you're, it's, 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 it's a, it's a competition issue. I don't know how you get around it, but I I don't know what the answer is. Like I'm on the side. I I get exhausted by the blame Canada narrative that's out there. Like it exhausts me. It infuriates me. Mm -hmm. So because 99% of the people yelling it don't know that the U S has the same border, the same rules. Right. So here's the competitive advantage. The blue Jays have, they convinced all their guys to get vaccinated. That's the competitive advantage that, 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 that they have now, are they benefiting? Obviously they are benefiting, but um, you know, they they can't sign unvaccinated players. They can't trade for unvaccinated players. They had to get rid of unvaccinated players. Um, and they were wandering around like nomads for the last two years. Nobody mm-hmm. in the States cared about that then. Okay, I feel better off the soapbox, but mm-hmm. I know I'm preaching to the choir on, the, mm-hmm. uh, on this one. But um, yeah, if I'm Seattle or Tampa Bay or whatever, sure, I, I'm annoyed. But I think the people in charge, the general managers, they're smart people. Um, you know, I don't think Brian Cashman or Hein Bloom or, or Jerry DePoto are calling up Major League Baseball and saying this isn't fair. Because like you said, what are you going to do about it? The yeah. only way you avoid it is you tell the Blue Jays to play their games in the U.S., which some people out there actually think is what should happen. But um, like you said, rules are are rules and the blue Jays had to abide by rules. Nobody else did the last two years. And now other teams are having to abide by rules um, this year. The, 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 you know, the interesting thing on a micro level on a smaller level is I, uh, you know, we can all stop talking about Andrew Benintendi possibly being a trade target. Yep. That's not, that's not, not going to happen. And even if I'm the Yankees, Red Sox or Rays, I don't know that I'm trading for Andrew Benintendi because you got to come here one or two more times and you might be here in the playoffs, so it kind of hurts those teams in that way. So, yes, undeniably, right now, this is an advantage for the Blue Jays. But I, I try not to get too caught up in it, other than the soapbox right. I just got on right now, because, <laughs> excuse me, again, like you said, everybody's known about this for a long time. Rules are rules, and as an aside, I understand it might be interesting when the Cardinals come here in a couple of weeks, too, uh, but we, yes. can talk, we can talk about that one then. So. Yes. I, you know, the, the thing that I, and I talked to a couple of people about this earlier in the year because I said, here's a scenario that intrigued me, and I'll use Andrew Benintendi as an example, although at that time I didn't know that he was unvaxxed, but if I'm the New York Yankees and I want Andrew Benintendi, but I know there's a chance I'm going to play in Toronto, how do I go about asking the question, Andrew, if I acquire you, will you get vaccinated? Like, do right. I call Dayton Moore and say, Dayton, if you've got a spare second, can you go down to your clubhouse and ask Ben and Tindy if he get vaccinated? Yeah. And then if, if the deal doesn't happen, Andrew Ben and Tindy says, well, wait a minute. I know you guys are, you guys wanted to trade me because you, you asked me to get vaxxed. Like, it's, it, it is an inch. It's. It's complicated. Like, well, it's when the very Red Sox complicated. Signed, the Red Sox wouldn't sign Trevor Story until he agreed to get vaccinated, right. reportedly, right? So yes. now that's different. You have direct access to the player as right. a free agent. You don't have direct access to the player. 
Um, I but guess this you go is, through the agent, maybe? Yeah, yeah and, and I would think Dayton Moore would say, yes, we grant you permission to ask that question, but I, I don't know. It's I know from my ESPN life in college basketball that the, the privacy stuff, the HIPAA stuff, is taken very, very, very seriously oh, yes. down there. And, and that's, you know... Uh, beyond my, you know, I, I don't know a lot about it. So I, I don't know what the rules are, but I would think a GM could say to Dayton Moore, would you ask him? And then Dayton Moore would decide and, and, and leave it up to them. But, it, but if we think this is a big deal now, wait until October, if they're in the playoffs, Oof. like, do you think, like, do we think September 12th, Robbie Ray is going to say, okay, I'll get to Johnson and Johnson. Hmm. Like, I, I don't know. I, I have, no idea. Is Chris Sale going to say, okay, I'll get the change? I, I have no Alex idea. Alex Cora, like, I don't know if, yeah. if you heard Alex Cora when they left Toronto. He said the next time we're here, this will not be an issue. Which I don't, I don't know how he knows that unless he knows that. And if he knows that, why didn't they yeah. make it a non, non-issue this time? Like somehow the Yankees, they dealt with it, right? Yes. The Yankees, yes, they did. We, had all, we had all heard the rumors and none of the rumors came true. So they figured it out somehow yeah. and they they could they what, what i mean is they convince their they convince their guys but um you know it's one thing to manipulate your starting rotation in june so that robbie ray pitches the day before it's another thing to not have one of the best pitchers in baseball available for a three-game series in toronto if seattle plays toronto in a wild card series here so uh, it, you know unfortunately if this will never go away and a lot of people south of the border will be angry and attach an asterisk to it. And if I'm the Blue Jays, you just, you, you, it's not your, it's not your problem. It's not your situation. You, you play who you play, you play who's on the field. I can tell you this, I'm trying to prepare for tonight's series. And as soon as we hang up, I'm going to get the Omaha Royals game notes from last night. But there ain't much in the Kansas City notes. That's to be right now. Danny, we'll let you run and yeah, do that. Thanks for your time, Thanks. man. Be All right, well. guys, we'll see you down there. Thank you. Take care. It's Dan Shulman, Blue Jays play-by-play announcer on Sportsnet. And again, Andrew Benintendi, Whit Merrifield, MJ Melendez, Hunter Dozier, Brad Keller, Brady Singer, Michael A. Taylor, Kyle Isbell, Dylan Coleman, Cam Gallagher, all of them missing the trip to Toronto for the Kansas City Royals uh, because of the vaccination requirements. And Dan is right The uh, you know, from talking to one of the St. Louis Cardinals writers last night. They are beavering away trying to figure out who exactly is and isn't vaccinated in that team. And uh, there may be some big names that may not be coming up here with the St. Louis Cardinals who are, you know, they're in a life and death struggle right now with Milwaukee for that division. They, they, they are. If you're the Blue Jays, you're on that team. You can't worry about that. You, you, oh, can no, only, you know, you're going to face guys you've never faced before. And you really got to hone in and be yourself and, and, Try and get the best pitch you can possibly get to have the the best quality at bats you can possibly have to win baseball games. Jeff Passan of ESPN broke the story in the Kansas City Royals. He joins us next. It's Blair and Barker on 590-360, wherever you get your favorite podcast. Breaking down everything in Leafsland better than anyone. Real Kipper and Born. Be sure to subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. It is Thursday. This is Blair and Barker on Sportsnet 590, the fans, Sportsnet 360. I love Shulman saying I got to run and do some research for tonight's game. I need to get the Omaha Royals game notes. 
not going to be easy. Now, you think about being a player and as much as they game plan against certain teams and teams that you don't face all the time, what the challenge is going to be. This is the point is this is when the grown-up in the room needs to, hey, let's simplify it. A fastball is still a fastball. How about let's look for that until that person on the mound makes us change? Um, the Kansas City Royals, as we mentioned, are in town. They have 10 players on the restricted list. Benintendi, Merrifield, Melendez, Dozier, Keller, Singer, Ooh. Taylor, Isbell, Coleman, Gallagher. Uh, not only will they not be here with Kansas City, but in, in, in a couple of instances, there are players who one would assume will be available at the trade deadline. One would also assume that perhaps teams that uh, are interested in acquiring them who may be faced with the series in Toronto at some point or a playoff series at some point might be trying to figure out how the hell they're going to go around and, and, and get this figured out. Jeff Passan is a MLB insider with ESPN. He uh, broke the story on the, the number, the staggering number of Kansas city players on the restricted list. Jeff, thanks so much for joining us. Uh, boy, there's a lot. Of, I want to talk to you about Charlie Montoya as well and the industry perception of that move, but you know, the, the rules are the rules, and the rules haven't changed in the last three weeks. But, uh-huh. and I, I asked Shulman about this. If I'm general, if I'm Brian Cashman, I'm just pulling a name here. If I'm Brian Cashman and I really want Andrew Benintendi, how do I go? Do I call Dayton Moore and say, Dayton, can you ask Andrew if he'll get vaccinated? And 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 does Dayton go down and say, "Hey, Andrew, will you get vaccinated?" And Andrew says, "Why do you want to know?" And Dayton says, "Well, the Yankees are interested in you." And Ben and Tendy says, "I don't want to get vaxxed. Well, now the deal ain't happening, and your player knows you tried to trade him. Like, I, you know, I mean, we kind of, you know, we got this thing up here, right? The Jays have gone through it, and we've all lived through it. And basically, if the rest of you can't handle it, to hell with you." But there are some interesting, there's some granular stuff here that, that's really interesting, isn't it? Well, first off, if I'm Brian Cashman, I'm waiting until the end of this weekend to think about trading for Andrew Benatendi. Because if the Toronto Blue Jays cannot beat a AAA team and <laughs> beat, beat the ever-living hell out of a AAA team, maybe I'm not worried about where Andrew <laughs> Benatendi's going to have to play in October. That's a good point. Like, I did. You know, I, we we talked about this. I got some some grief uh, from your your fine uh, denizens of Canada uh, in gosh, it was March or April, early April, when I was talking about the advantage that the Blue Jays have. I, I suppose at the, at the time, I thought there were going to be more instances like this where it was going to be a pretty staggering number. I mean, the fact that the Yankees had a lot, including Aaron Judge, a lot of prominent players on that roster who were not vaccinated, who wound up getting vaccinated specifically because they did not want to miss nine games in Toronto. The the Kansas City Royals clearly do not have the same sorts of aspirations mm-hmm. as the New York Yankees did back then because uh, to have 40% of your roster not make the trip, it's just it's embarrassing for the team. And uh, I, I think the most interesting thing that came out of the clubhouse yesterday was Whit Merrifield. I don't know if you saw what he said. Um, but essentially he said, if I happen to move to a team that's going to be playing more in Toronto, I might consider getting vaccinated. So to your point, I think that is part of the calculus with the players here, that 
if if the difference between a trade to the New York Yankees, the Boston Red Sox, hell, even the Toronto Blue Jays is uh, getting vaccinated but being competitive, uh, that's something I think that players are going to at very least have to consider, let alone go out and do. You have a better feel for well, that's it's that's inter- a, it is it interesting. Is, yeah. You have a better feel for this around Kansas City. What did their teammates think about this? I know Kansas City's not having a good year, but if you're on that team, you're thinking to yourself, "Man alive! Like I got it, and I'm competing. How come? Yeah. How come you're not yeah. getting it? Do you have a feel for that? I mean, how could you not feel that way? On on one hand, let let us remember a couple of things here. Um, number one. This is an individual decision, and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, this is a choice that every person makes. Uh, you know, my personal feelings aside, however, I, whatever I believe, whatever a player in that clubhouse believes, you have to acknowledge and respect the other person's uh, freedom to go and make that choice. But number two, um, if you go and look at the political leanings in baseball, um, I mean, we used to we used to play a game at dinner. Um, find the Democrat in the clubhouse. Like there, there are very, very few people who lean that way politically on twenty six man and forty man rosters. Yep. And so, when you have uh, a, a media echo chamber that is uh, casting aspersions on the vaccine, that is forwarding questions about the vaccine and and you have players who are so single-minded so myopic so focused on their careers that they don't have time to go and actually you know like do research and understand what the purpose of the vaccine is and what it's for when when you also have this reality guys that we were told at the beginning that the vaccine was going to keep you from getting covid and was going to stop the spread and neither of those things has proven to be particularly true so when you go and look uh when you go and look at uh the the negativity around it uh from one side of the political aisle that's only been reinforced in ways well this is going to be a consequence of that and the Mm -hmm. only reason the only reason that as many baseball players are vaccinated as they are is because it's guys who are looking out for teammates and don't want to be the one to miss the important series or miss the important game. I know there's nothing anybody can do about this as well, but the other aspect of this is if, if, if I'm the Tampa Bay Rays or the Boston Red Sox or the Seattle Mariners and I end up losing and, and the Jays end up sweeping the Omaha Royals and I end up yep. losing my playoff spot to the Jays by game and a half, I'm going to be some chap. <laughs> I mean, I'm going to be some pissed, especially, you know, especially if my guys sacked up and went and got the, the, the jab. I, again, you can't do anything about it, but, you know, Kevin Cash is going to get asked that question at some point if the Rays are within a game of playoff or whatever. Kev, you know, yeah. looking back on things now, that series in Toronto where the Jays beat the Royals in four games and outscored them 130 to five, that's kind of telling, isn't it? <laughs> I, you know, because this is baseball, Jeff, um, and, and both of you guys have been around the game for, for decades now. You understand that uh, it is a, certainly a non-zero, and I would, I would argue quite a bit higher than that possibility that the Royals come in and sweep the Jays, not yeah. because they're better, not because they're more talented, but because baseball is a sport 
where talent doesn't necessarily equal wins, especially in such a small, short series. So I'm not going to go putting the Jays four games ahead of where they are right now on Sunday quite yet. I'm not going to make that leap right now. But uh, what I will say is that they really, really, really should do work this weekend because um, you're not going to find – in in my time covering baseball, I don't know that I have found a team more advantaged than the Toronto Blue Jays are over the next four days. What does the industry think? It's early days, and when I say the industry, I'm not saying that I expected you to have gone out and pulled every general manager. But the last general manager or the last manager to be fired this late in the season and have his team in the playoff spot was Ned Yost in 2008. Yep. What do you think yep. people make of the firing of Charlie Montoya? I think there was some surprise around baseball. I know I was surprised when, you know, when I saw Ken Rosenthal's tweet, I immediately go to my phone and I text the same thing to six or seven people, um, some inside the Jays organization, some outside. And it's one word. And what do you guys think that one word is? Wow. Correct. Yep. Just Wow. And, and the responses I got were, were interesting and telling. You know, uh, from a couple of people, it was, uh, this isn't that, something to the effect of, this isn't that big of a wow. I, I think internally, there was a sense over the last week or so that the tide on Charlie Montoya was turning. And I don't know if they felt like this was an inevitability necessarily, but I think they felt like it was a lot likelier a possibility uh, because they've been playing really poorly lately. They've lost some games that they regret that they shouldn't have. They've fallen back to this place in the standings where they never thought that they would be because, frankly, they're too talented to be there. And I think the response from Charlie Montoya was not necessarily what they were looking for. And, and maybe that's just the, you know, expectations that are unfair or unrealistic because Charlie Montoya never has been and probably never will be the guy who's going to go and flip a table and rah-rah and uh, try and, and rally a team around a bad moment. But, I think in this time, that's what players felt like they needed. I think players wanted some sign of emotion, some show that, hey, if if we don't stem the tide here, this thing could get ugly quickly. And we need the person whose job it is to lead us to lead us. Mm-hmm. And I don't know that, uh, listen, with, with 26 guys in a clubhouse, um, you're never going to get consensus on what a club should do. But I think there was a, a reasonable portion of people inside the Blue Jays clubhouse who shared that sentiment. And and it was, you know, I, regardless of what happens and what John Schneider does and where the Blue Jays end up, I do think Ross Atkins and Mark Shapiro had their finger on the pulse. I think they got the sense that this wasn't something that that they couldn't recover from, but it was telling enough that they didn't hesitate to make a move that, frankly, seems weird and is oddly timed. You're in a playoff spot. 
you're going through a bad stretch, but again, you're in a playoff spot right now and you're going to bang the manager. Like that's, that's not something you see happen very often, especially like you said, at this point in the season. No, well, I was going to ask you because of the firing, do you expect a bigger move from Ross at the trade deadline? That's, you know, that's a really good question. Um, I'm not sure that the two things are necessarily tied. I think what the next two weeks are going to determine, Kev, is whether the Blue Jays feel like they have enough to actually warrant giving something up and going for it. You know, since the since the beginning of the season, they've believed that this is a World Series caliber team. Mm-hmm. And I'm not sure that that belief has been shaken at this point. But if in a couple of weeks they're still stagnant, they're still, you know, within sniffing distance of 500, they haven't shown these signs of life that lead you to believe that they are what they think they are, maybe they come to the conclusion that they aren't and go and do incremental things instead of a splash. Yeah. Uh, do I believe there will be a splash as, as big of a splash as one can make at a deadline where, you know, the, the talent just simply isn't all that great? The impact talent particularly? Yeah. Right now I would suggest that the Blue Jays are going to be a team that makes one of those. But uh, it, it would not at all surprise me, especially if these next couple of weeks don't go according to plan, uh, that they just sort of dip their toe in the water, do a half measure rather than a full measure. Mr. Passon, we're going to let you scoot. Thanks for doing this, man, Thanks as always. Gentlemen, pleasure is always mine. Take, Take care. care. That's Jeff Passon, MLB Insider with ESPN. Uh, and really well said about uh, um, I, I, Jeff kind of sums up my thoughts as well with the trade deadline. Um, I do think, though, that maybe there's there needs to be some I think there needs to be some focus on the on the money in, money out thing at the trade deadline as well. They sweep KC, they're fifty one and forty two. Yeah. That's they 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 for me that's now far enough from the losses and you separate yourself a little from Baltimore. Well that now and, you make a little bit and bigger the other of a thing, move. Kev the you know, the arrows are kind of pointing up in terms of your pitching. Barrios looks more like the guy and, mm-hmm. and yes, it's temporary, but that's all we can go on. He looks more like the guy you thought he was gonna be. Um, you know, stripling has, has stabilized things. And I, I, I'm with you and Dan. And at some point, you know, we need, I think we need to have that discussion. But you sit down with Ross Stripling and, I mean, is there a Blue Jays fan out there? You, you mentioned you say Kikuchi's contract, but if the Jays gave Ross Stripling two years plus an option right now, I'd, I'd be in favor of that. I'd be in favor. He's got some mulligans. Ross has. Yeah. With some... <laughs> With some head scratching things, and if you have another one, I mean, I, I'm a big fan of Ross Stripling's. I think everything he's done and the kitchen sink and the way he's done it and the way it's looked and the way it looks now, I'll have to ask the question: If you think right now he's on your playoff roster, yeah, that that be a serious discussion on whether you give him two years or not. That's that's a good point. We had that discussion the other day. Well, let's uh, let's get a couple of Barker's back leg bits. It's in time here, for Barker's back leg bits. Well, I saw you in 2005 hit homers off scoreboards in the International League, uh-huh. so I, I know how you roll. I do roll like that. 
Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> uh, it is Barker's Back Leg Bits, a, an abbreviated version. Don't worry, we'll have time uh, tomorrow as well. So if we don't get around to your questions today, uh, we shall. Uh, Brandy wants to know with John, uh, um, John Schneider at the helm, could we see some defensive changes from the team? She's talking about maybe Bo at second, Santiago at short, uh, some other defensive changes nope. for the team. It's yeah, a good question, I but I don't think you're going to see anything that, that radical. What would be the point? Yeah. I don't, I don't, if it makes your team better. But I think what she's getting at, like, a, I, she, I guess she's kind of asking the question, how radical will the changes be? I would think more about Vladdy being in the two-hole would be about as big as it's going to get. That's just me. It seems like a really big move. Vladdy just seems to have a real issue of the change yeah. for whatever reason. Uh, Davion Barros from Mississauga. Thank you for the nice words. Davion, do you guys think Charlie Blackman might be a good bat for the lineup? Blackman and Bard for the bullpen, perhaps. I mean, those are two names that we've thrown out there. Again, the caveat, we don't know who's vaxxed and who isn't. We got to throw that out there with every uh, with every Bard, trader. Bard, I like. We've Black, heard Bard. Blackman, for me, he's, a, he's sort of a one-sided guy. He can hit righties. There's still some money left there, velocity. too. You can't play against lefties. Like it's, I mean, they're not going to get a ton of lefty, lefties because of all the righties in their lineup. Oh, where's he hitting? I mean, they need a two-hole hitter, for me, anyway. Yeah, I I think I think if you're not sure if that makes sense, people have talked about Charlie Blackman. I yeah, I'm with Kev. I don't know. I think I need Charlie move the needle in the the playoffs. I was going to say that's the thing. It's like you're bringing that guy in to move the needle in the playoffs to make it harder on a right-handed pitcher. Blackman makes 18 million next year. It's a ton. Yeah. Yeah, I, I'm more. I'd be more leaning towards. Thank you, Mark. I'd be more leaning towards an Ian Happ type of a guy. That's the type of of of, of hitter. Uh, I, I hitter just don't think of. any of those guys move the needle. I think for me, it's more about the pitching side. Off season, you take care of your left-handed bat. Uh, Gay Harley says, "I love the home run jacket. People need to breathe and let it go. I let go of that. It's two sides of it. I'm not I don't pay any attention to it. I like what Dan said." I like maybe McC- Bo's not going to wear the jacket. Yeah, who maybe cares if guys Bo doesn't wear it? Maybe they're like guys it, don't, wear it. don't wear it. It's an individual thing. I don't want to wear it. I don't want to wear it. If Laddie wants to wear it, it means you know. If Laddie's wearing it, you know what that means. He's at a home run. That means he's hitting them. Yeah, yeah. So you won't see Vladdy hitting them all the time and wearing that jacket until he can't wear it anymore. Audrey Burns has an has an interesting question. I want to squeeze this in about Vladdy. You've talked a lot about Vladdy focusing too much on his weaknesses, down and away pitches. Mm-hmm. And that he's forgotten what makes him a great player. Is it possible the same thing is happening with Bo in that he is focusing too much on his defense and forgotten that he is an offensive player first? I always hear about how hard he works before the game every day, and that's awesome. But is it possible he's been putting too much emphasis on one point part question. of his game? That's it a is a fair, fair question that not a lot of people have talked about. That is a tremendous question. I'm not sure I can answer that. I think Bo would be the only person that can answer it. But it's a but his his defense is called up now. It's time for his offense to catch back up. He's yeah. a good defender. I mean, he made a bad throw last night just because he didn't stay on top of the baseball. He stays on top of the baseball because all the things the other things of his game defensively have called you've, up. You've talked about it. The thing about Bo now is it's one thing. Before it was a couple of things sure. he needed to tighten up. Now it's one thing. Sure it is. And I'm with you. But but That's it a is a great question. That was a great question. I can't about, answer that. I'm sorry. Only Bo can answer that. That's why I asked the question. It was a great question. But workload is, is clearly a factor, and Bo works his ass off a lot on uh, defense as well as offense. That's it for us today. We'll be on Blue Jays Talk tonight. We'll be back tomorrow from 10 to noon Eastern on Sportsnet 590, the fan Sportsnet 360. As always, wherever you get your favorite podcast. Have a great afternoon.